Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And I am Tara's <laughs> husband, EJ Kerwin. Yes, and yeah. business partner. And business partner. And co-parent. And co-parent. And everything else in between. And friend. <laughs> and a lot of things. Yeah. Well, first of all, just want to remind everybody that we have this new service on our podcast where if you look at our show notes, there's a little link that says, make a comment about this episode. And when you click that, it'll go directly to a, like a little list of comments. And you can, you know, you can say something about the episode, you can uh, make suggestions for new topics, you can leave uh, voice memos, which uh, we could also then incorporate into our podcast. And you can ask a question directly on the podcast and we'll, uh, we'll play it. So please, you know, check that out, click that link, because we, we love to have your interaction on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we want to just jump right in, my love? Yeah. Why don't you introduce kind of what we're doing? Okay. So last night I was sitting on our sofa and we were watching, what is it? Oh. Uh, Problem with Fleischman? Is that what it is? Fleischman's in trouble. It's Fleischman's really in funny. trouble. It is it's, really good. Yeah. And of course I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this great idea of what we could do for our podcast tomorrow. And it was basically your baggage, my baggage. Kind of sharing a little bit about our story and what we started to recognize was our baggage that was kind of keeping us in disconnect, if you will. And yes, we've done the work to really recognize what our baggage is so that we can have a healthy relationship and stay together and stay connected. But it wasn't easy. And I think, you know, as therapists, we do our own work, most of us, I think. And so it's really we have support around understanding what our baggage is and what that does and what how it limits our relationships. You know, and I think that there's a lot of people that don't have access to therapeutic services or maybe too scared to even start that process. And so maybe sharing our story, which is unique, everybody is unique, so we all have our own unique baggage. It's all messy. Absolutely. That it can kind of help start maybe even just facilitate a conversation with your partner around, yeah, let's just start talking about this. And again, we always say we're each other's blind spots, like in helping each other say, hey, this is what I notice sometimes. Where do you think this could be coming from? And I, so I think we're going to model a vulnerable conversation. And it's for the purposes of growing together, having more compassion, and really more understanding around ourselves and how that impacts our relationship with our intimate partner. Yeah. I mean, one thing we, especially early on, talk with a couple with is like this idea that Tara's talking about, which is that we all have our baggage. And, you know, whether we get together when we're 15 or we get together when we're 55, mm. we both come in with a whole backstory of who we are and how we've adapted to our backstory. And then we get together and our baggage gets all mixed up together. And then we create new baggage. And so it gets into this really confusing place, I think, where you sort of end up in these you know, difficult points in your relationship and you look back at that baggage and it's hard to distinguish what's mine, what's yours, what's ours together. And how do we sort it out? You know, how do we organize it? How do we understand 
so that we can become less instinctive in our responses to one another and more intentional in how we relate to each other. And it's, mm. you know, the other thing is, I mean, I, I certainly know this from our relationship, but I also, in working with couples over an extended amount of time, am aware that it's a process, you know? You don't have some some realization and then just all of a sudden like, oh, now it's all like totally neat and tidy up in an organizational box and we don't have to ever have to deal with this again. I mean, we're constantly working on it and understanding and falling on our faces. And finding more baggage. <laughs> yeah, find, making more baggage and ho hopefully yeah. having some grace and understanding with each other when I react in an instinctive way that isn't helpful or Tara does the same, that, that we have the ability to remain empathetic. And I think like the backstories that we're going to talk about today and model for you guys is also like, you know, the importance of remaining empathetic to your partner's responses, even when they're really agitating. Absolutely. Um, would you like to start with your story or my story? I mean, I think maybe a good starting point is when we got together. You know, we got together at a period of our life where, you know, we were a little bit older. You know, I was almost 40, you were 36. Mm -hmm. I was coming out of a marriage. I had two kids. You were a swinging single. <laughs> no kids, you know, no really, you know, major, major responsibilities other than like, you know, sort of a job. Yeah. I think that's a good starting point um, because I remember when it was, right, I was 35 and I was like, man, I can't keep doing what I'm doing because I was like the serial monogamist. And so something about my relationship with you shifted, like I really have to look at my stuff even though I knew sort of my stuff before, but so trying not to go into too much backstory, but I think it's really important, but this is like pre me being aware that I had abandonment issues, right? Like my whole life, I've dated boys since I was 13 years old. I've never been single for even a week. Like, again, this is up until I met EJ. But even before that, this is pre me knowing that I have significant abandonment issues. So I would find these great guys. Like I was a really good picker of men. Nice, smart, funny, kind, maybe a little lacking emotional awareness, just like me, but just like, you know, healthy-ish. And I would get into these relationships and I would fall madly in love and they would put me on a pedestal and I would feel like the most special person ever. And then two, three years, I always had long-term relationships. I would kind of start to feel really bored and I would start to feel insignificant and I would start to feel not special. And then somebody else would start to make me feel like alive again. And so I would be like, oh, maybe the grass is greener. That was my whole thing. I'm like, oh, well, if I can find this person who's this amazing, maybe like there's even something even more amazing that won't make me feel bored after three years. And, and so this was like my cycle. I just kept going from relationship to a relationship to a relationship. And I like being in a relationship. So I was never like one to date multiple people. Like I did it a couple of times and it was very, I was very anxious about that because I felt like I was doing something bad. 
Um, So my story was like, again, going from relationship to relationship, making sure that I felt very special, very loved every day. I was very high maintenance emotionally. I still am, but... (laughs) And then I'll never, ever forget the moment that I realized this can't just be about the guy. (laughs) Because I would always be like, you know, they just got boring in the relationship or they just weren't like as emotionally aware as I need them to be or they just weren't as spontaneous as I needed them to be. They just weren't as unique. They just weren't blah. It was always about the other person. Now, remember, I'm in this relationship. It was definitely going on past three years. And, you know, he would just get really into his work and kind of forget that anything else existed. And I remember he was like an hour late, if not more, picking me up for a date. This is somebody prior to me. Prior to you, yeah. This is all prior to you. And I remember thinking, again, three years into this relationship, we knew each other. He was running late and my whole body started shaking, like physically shaking. Like I thought I was going to die. Like I just had never felt so awful. And I was like, what is this? I remember I was waiting at my office and he was driving up to come get me. I felt sick. I felt awful. I felt alone. I felt scared. And it was that moment I said, something is going on here with me. And so I started to get books on like abandonment because it was like, you know, the minute someone didn't text me back, like a boyfriend didn't text me back or he didn't make me feel really amazing or they were an hour late for a date. I would physically in my body start to shake and feel this sense of doom and this fear. And then I started reading, I started to get support from a therapist and I recognized that I have like significant abandonment issues, which I just thought, I know I have two dads that totally left me. There was never any processing around it. You know, I have zero relationship with any type of father figure since I was probably eight years old. And the ones that I did have was pretty abusive. And I just thought like, I'm just like, oh, even though I had this like shitty childhood, like I'm really good. Like I don't have any stuff because I just, I was in healthy relationships or so I thought. So I started to explore this abandonment stuff and how I was in relationship. And I started to recognize that every relationship I had ever been in There's this unconscious need for this father figure to constantly love me and make me feel safe and make me feel like I'm the most special person in the world. Again, I didn't know this. And then in the moment when it happened, that's where my scared little girl, my abandonment issues would come up. You know, she was probably like five or six years old, I'm guessing, even though I'm like, you know, in my early late 20s, early 30s, whatever, when this really big moment happened for me. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like I get really scared if I don't feel like I'm number one. If I don't feel like I'm on pedestal, I feel like something really bad's going to happen. And so I had to start doing my work. And again, this is like a couple years before I met you. Mm-hmm. I'll just start doing my work on like, I'm safe. Like if someone doesn't call me back right away or if someone's running late, it's not because I'm a bad person or they're leaving me and they're not coming back. It's like, I will be okay. Like I'm safe. That I still work on that for sure. But that was really eye-opening because now I didn't give all these guys power and control. And like, they didn't want it. They were great people. People that I've loved, people that have loved me have been great people. I just didn't realize like that unconscious dynamic, that pull to like have them be something that they could never, ever be for me. 
right? And I think the guys I would pick would try really, really hard, but they would be so confused. Like, I do love you. I, Like, I know I don't tell you every day or every hour, but I love you. And I'd be like, no, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so, you know, fast forward, right? I'm, I started, you know, after that, this person and I, we just weren't a good fit because his ADD and my abandonment issues, like that is just not, <laughs> for me, I like couldn't, I could not bear it. Like it wasn't sustainable. Great person though. And so I was like, okay. And that's when I moved to Tucson and I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm going to really focus on myself and I'm going to not get into a relationship, which of course didn't happen because I like being in relationships. And then I met you and I remember we started dating in August and I remember in November, like you met my family. I remember this night. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. I'm like, nope, I haven't spent enough time by myself. I'm not, mm -mm, I'm not doing this. I was like, I will do the same thing and I can't because now I'm 35 and I really want to like have a healthy relationship. I want to settle down, but like, I'm not doing this. And so I tried to break up with you. That night you I did break up. With I did. You kicked me out of your apartment. Yeah, I had a condo and we were, that's right. I broke up with you because I was terrified. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm just going to do the same thing. I'm going to like chew them up and spit them out, right? Like, that's what I would do with men. And I, it was not conscious. I was always like a love bug. I was always a kind person, but my abandonment issues and my need to be loved and like loved in a way that feels so protective and safe was impossible. So when I say spin them up and chew them out, I'm talking my abandonment shit would do that. Like, you're just not good enough. You don't make me feel safe, blah, blah, blah. And so I recognized that I woke up the next morning, you weren't in bed with me. And I had this feeling of like insane doom because one thing that struck me, and this is, I'll never forget it. I tried to say, EJ, you just got out of a marriage you need to date other people. I think we should just date other people. I think we should have like an open relationship and like, I don't want to be your, what is it called? Rebound. Yeah. And I was like trying to like do that thing that I do, like kind of manipulate, you know, play you sort of not in a, again, not in a malicious way, but in my way I knew. And I remember you said, uh, I'm not doing that, Tara. Like, I really like you. You're everything that I want. And I'm not going to sit back and watch you date other people. <laughs> I think you're great. We can be friends, but I'm not about to sit around and date other people and watch you date other people. And I was like, what the fuck? A man who is not letting me like play with his emotions. Like, what is this? And I remember, so I broke up with you because I'm like, I will not have this. And I woke up the next day and I was like, I need EJ in my life. Like I just, I'd never had that feeling ever, ever, ever where I like knew that you were my person for sure. Sweetheart. Yeah. What are you feeling right now? I think grateful that I could do the work and I stayed in it, even though it was really scared because here's what's important. And I was seeing a therapist at the time. I thought I had to be alone to do this work on my abandonment stuff. And my therapist was like, that's crazy. If you found someone that feels really kind and safe, this is where you do all your work. But he had always had that idea of like, oh, I've got to be alone and do my work and then I can be in a healthy relationship. 
And I think when I finally found you, you felt very emotionally stable, emotionally aware. You were very confident and secure in who you were as a person. And so my unconscious ways of manipulating men wouldn't work on you. And so that challenged me to become a better version of myself because I wanted to for you. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm so I'm going to continue to work on my fear and my abandonment. And I'm going to be in this relationship with EJ. And you were, it's so crazy. Like EJ is not my type at all. Like he is not the person I ever dated. And I, I remember like maybe a couple months before we started dating, one of his friends was like, hey, would you ever consider dating EJ? Because EJ and I were just friends before working together. And I was like, oh God, no, he's so not my type. And I love you because you're um, perfect to me. <laughs> I always dated like much taller guys, guys with no kids. I'd never really dated men with kids. Um, pretty like financial kind of guys, like in the stock market or engineer types, not a therapist. Like I'd never dated a therapist before. And so he just wasn't my type. I was like, oh, EJ's type is like a total yogini, which is so not me. (laughs) So it was interesting that what I thought was my type absolutely turned out to be totally nothing. (laughs) And so my baggage really was, I have a ton of childhood trauma of a lot of abandonment issues. There's a lot of lack of safety in my nervous system and in relationship with you, when I knew that we started, that it was going to take a lot of work to really build a healthy, secure relationship. Because really, even though I thought I was a really good picker, I had never had a secure relationship. It was always based on anxious attachment for me. And the the minute I would feel abandoned, bye-bye, see you later, the grass is greener. So that is my baggage. That was what was limiting me to really become who I needed to be in a relationship. And it's work we still do, but you know, I feel like I was able to (laughs) let you know as soon as we got together and we decided we're going to do this, I said, I am high maintenance emotionally. And you know what? That's the thing. That's not going to change. I will always have abandonment issues because it's a huge gaping wound and it's okay. But that won't go away. And so I love that I'm like high maintenance emotionally. I love that I challenge our relationship daily in good ways. I think it's a beautiful part of me, but I now have control over it. For the most part, there's little times I get hijacked for sure. And that feels so good because if I never recognized what I actually had, I would still be in serial monogamous relationships. Like there's no way I would have a family right now and settle down. Like you can ask people who know me, even if you went to high school with me, Tara is the last person that would have a healthy relationship. I mean, I was constantly like dating tons of people or kissing other guys, even in front of like boyfriends, like just, I didn't know like any attention I would get from a male. I'm like, yes, this feels good. And so to know now that I am, the owner of a relationship renovation counseling center and a speaker of a podcast on healthy relationships. I'm sure a lot of people that have known me in the past are like, what the fuck? What's going on here? But it's happened because of me gaining awareness into who I am and accepting all of it 
And then finding someone in my life like you that was willing to stay with me for the ride. And, you know, and then I think that helped you do your work. I'm not sure. So um, sharing my story is super vulnerable and there's so many other pieces to it, but really a lot of my baggage was abandonment, not feeling safe. And so I would look for men for validation and attention constantly. Like men's attention was my sense of self. And then I started to work on it. And I was like, no, actually, I'm cool just by myself. Like, I love myself. I'm okay. And do I still want us to feel really amazing and special in our relationship? Sure. But it's not a deal breaker anymore. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to be like, see you later. It's interesting. Something you said reminded me of a moment last night. We were watching a show and somebody said, people don't have affairs because they fall in love with people or that they're unhappy necessarily in their relationship. They have affairs because it helps them connect with who they think they were in the past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about how like every time you'd meet another guy and sort of make you feel special, it was like this connection to this part of you that wanted to feel special, like Mm -hmm. at a very, very young age. Absolutely. Seen amazing, like I'm the best thing ever. And I was like, what do these people see in me? But apparently I brainwashed them. Like I didn't even, I couldn't believe I would get some of these guys because they were so sweet and kind and successful and loving. And I'd be like, God, like what wool am I pulling? Like I didn't believe in myself. And I, I literally did use, I think, sex and looks, whatever it was, as how I identified that, oh, that's why they love me. I don't think I really recognized that they loved my heart until I started to do my own work and I could see, oh, they actually, some of these people I was with saw my heart. I just didn't know that, you know, because they were maybe more secure than I was for sure. So I would use a lot of my, oh, I'm going to keep them happy sexually and I'm going to constantly keep looking good and then they'll keep loving me. Like it was very, that's another big piece of the baggage, like because I didn't have an internal healthy self, my whole thing in being in relationship was like, I got to keep up with sex and looks and being really amazing all the time. And I have to like cook really well. I hate cooking by the way, but I tried really hard because I was like, I'll try to be whatever it is this person needs me to be. That's another huge component. I would become a little chameleon to like, oh, I see they like this and this, and I'm going to do this really good for them. And they're going to fall madly in love with me. And bam, I would get them hook, line and sinker. It's like crazy to talk about right now because it's not a part of me that would ever intentionally do that. I would never want to hurt anybody in my life. And I have. So that's my baggage, everybody. I'm happy to share it with the world. But I believe that honesty and vulnerability is what connects all of us. And if we're willing to really share and look at ourselves in that way, it's amazing how much support and connection we can have and that we recognize like we're okay. Like I don't have to be anybody but who I am right now, whatever size, shape, age I am, like I'm okay. And Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. 
take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I can connect to others in healthy ways and I don't have to become a chameleon to do that. Hard lesson learned. Learning, right? You know, and and in the context of our relationship, still figuring a a lot of that stuff out. Cause you know, as you shared that, I was like definitely aware of like how that just continues to play into our relationship now and how, how my baggage is very different and is oftentimes agitating to your baggage. <laughs> Why don't you like go into last your... night? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, the stories are couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. You know, so I was forty. Tara was thirty six at the time. Uh, she had been single. Single ish. I had just got a. Book. Yeah. Well, she yeah she was <laughs> not married. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was. Uh, not even divorced yet in the process of it. We were friends before. So I had been in that relationship for like seven years or something, had a couple of kids. And my history in relationships was I was not a serial monogamist at all. I probably, by the time I was 40, really had, you know, like four, maybe four real serious relationships with a lot of time between them. My marriage was pretty unhappy, you know, just just really unhappy, just didn't feel liked, didn't see the world in the same way. It just was detached, mm. very, very detached for quite some time. In fact, like afterwards, like all my friends came to me and were like, yeah, like, what were you thinking? Like both of us, we were all like, like, what's going on here? He hasn't even seemed like himself in like almost 10 years. And I was like, well, I wish somebody would have told me. I mean, maybe (laughs) I wouldn't have been able to hear it, but I like, you know, I'd really gotten just detached from myself for a long period of time. And if I look back to trends in in my relationships prior to Tara is like, you know, like, like I can think back to like my first girlfriend of just having like not healthy relationships with these people and people who are just like not similar to me at all and weren't on the same pages with them and didn't really 
I mean, I had one relationship that was really good for a short amount of time in my 20s. But for the most part, like I was never like really super happy in any of my relationships. That's so interesting because I don't mean to interrupt, no, but okay. you're just such a happy person. Like you're, when I met you, you were so grounded and, and I literally had this assumption like, oh my God, I bet he has the most amazing marriage ever because like, <laughs> you were married at the time when I met you. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to well, interrupt I mean, your that, process. Yeah, well, I mean, but that, that's a part, that's a part of the, the story is that like, okay, and I think this goes back like really deep into my childhood is that one, I was an only child for about 10 years until my sister came along. So I was like zero to 10 was an only child. And then um, also, I don't know, like in a, in a household where like in a lot of ways it was it was very like loving and supportive but then there there was also definitely some real complexities you know within the household and i've always been from a really young age really really sort of just emotionally independent mm. emotionally isolated um always had to sort of fight for my acceptance maybe socially or definitely in the context of relationships like always had to like I had to get good at something you know it wasn't it, nothing like interpersonally to me has ever felt very easy it came through like getting really good at theater or being a good baseball player or being funny and getting people's attention. Like I've always had this feeling like almost like it's that there's not something that's just like inherently great about me, but that I have to somehow like earn it or fight for it. Mm. And also like maybe like early on, like not a lot of room to have emotions, like didn't feel really safe you know, and, and this is all stuff I've like figured out, like just didn't feel safe, like just being free to be me. Like, like I'm definitely, I'm not wild, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm very measured in my responses to people. I'm measured in my communication. I'm mm. up in my head. And so in relationships, it never like, it, it never felt secure. It just never felt secure. And so when I met Tara, she was like, I mean, I remember prior to when we got together, I just would see her around work and she was like so bubbly and just like always smiling and was really super kind to everybody, but kind to me. And just, she was just this like beautiful spirit, this just like wonderful you know, and it wasn't about how necessarily even she just treated me. It was how, how she interacted with the world. It's just, she was just so amazingly beautiful and light, you know, and it was just, she was just so lovable. She was so like incredibly lovable. And coming out of that relationship prior to it, I also was like pretty like, like I had made a list mm. of like, this is what I'm, looking for. Like I need to be like exact in what I'm looking <laughs> for. And then, but I also was going to therapy and was like, also like, I need to like be honest. Like, I'm not going to like, I'm going to do my best. This is so like ironic. Like I'm going to be my best to like 
tell the next person I'm dating what's going on for me, which is, I think, what made it really easy early on when when Tara was like, well, I want to break up with you and you, you're not doing this. And I was like, okay, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to fight for this because I've tried to shove a, a square peg in a round hole for a decade now and I can't do it anymore. I can't, like, I got to be like, it's got to be okay that I am who I am. And so she was this like sprite of amazing energy. I was not as bendable or something as, as guys that she had met before. Um, and it fit really well for a period of time. Mm -hmm. But pretty early on, well, it was really tough because I have such regret now because Tara was so expressive of her love when we first got together. Mm. She made me feel so you know, special and, and all those things that really, I don't know if I'd ever really felt before, ever. No, definitely. I'd never felt those things before. And I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. it. It was almost like it made me like uncomfortable. Right. Like I would almost like feel myself sometimes shrinking away from it. And I mean, that bit of luggage there that Tara was, you know, really like expressive of love and, you know, was probably still doing some of what she was saying of like morphing into what the guy needed at the time. Totally. I'm like, yeah, I'll go watch football with you. I'll yeah, she was like, I love football. And then <laughs> a couple of years later, it's like, she doesn't really like football. <laughs> um, you know, um, and my like, you know, like real discomfort in displaying affection Mm. and accepting affection that like mm. created massive problems that we've been sorting out since because there was a point i think where tara just turned it off yeah well i was not used to a guy not wanting to constantly be with me sexually like ej's you know your sex drive was pretty low when we got together yeah i mean you know this is where we get into like kind of the he said, she said element of it. Like, I think at first it was high because it was that like real, like, you know, just initial thing. But then you're right, like after a period of like close to a year or so, it, or maybe a little bit less, it did sink back a little bit. It sink back to kind of its normal. And, and, well, and, you know, I, and I was like, so used to like, Oh, like, this is why guys love me. And like, and so, I, I mean, it was good that it happened because I had to be like, oh, EJ's not just in love with me for like intimacy purposes. Like he, actually, that's not like even a priority. Like, you know, like it was interesting because I had to then accept and shift in that way because that's how I'd always thought guys would love me because of that. When it, what happened was like, it had been basically shut off for like a long time. In your previous because of the prior relationship, right. then I met you, and it was like this explosion, this excitement, and then what happened? Because I didn't really hadn't done any processing around it, didn't like totally understand it. It sunk then back to uh, closer to what its baseline had been for a long time, mm -hmm. and yeah, you felt like massively rejected. But I worked through it because here we are, yeah, ten yeah. years later. Yeah. But that was your baggage, right? I, I thought it was me, but really what you're saying is like, wow, I didn't know how to give and receive. And even though in the beginning it was like a roller coaster in a good way, like you started to sink back into like that comfortable zone that you had been in, which is like, what's the baggage around that? Well, like just super like independent, take care of my own needs. Yeah. 
keep it to yourself because if you don't keep it to yourself, it's going to create a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing, like I, from a lot of stuff when I was really young, I don't like being around conflict, around raised emotions, around yelling, that type of stuff, like, is just like, I don't want any of that. And Tara, as much as she has that ebullient display of positive emotions, when things get difficult, there's that same sort of intensity level in conflict. Mm -hmm. And I want to avoid that. Yeah. So my baggage is that I've created sort of a operating system where I'm pretty much able to find contentment just inside myself. Mm-hmm. And that I've learned doesn't work in relationship. Like, yeah, I could go live in a cave and probably find a way, or I could be in a relationship where I'm like kind of just taking care of all my own needs and being really sort of emotionally isolated, but that that doesn't work because what it led to is a period of time in our relationship where I wasn't able to express love to you very consistently. And that seemed to be really painful for you. And that also the flip side is that I have to be able to share the uncomfortable emotions that I'm having Mm -hmm. and build trust in myself that it'd be okay, no matter what, Yeah, that I can say it. And regardless of your reaction to it, it's important. Yeah. And instead of like playing all these games that I play with myself around like, okay, well, when's the right time? Mm. And what's gonna happen? And, oh, that's not gonna be okay for her. And she's gonna get mad or she's gonna, you know, whatever. Like that I I can't avoid either of them because they're both like completely interrelated. Mm -hmm. That if I don't share one, it's really hard to share the other. Yeah. And I mean, so right there, those are the biggest pieces of our baggage when we got together, your avoidance and my pursuing. And we knew like that was uh, like, if we don't do something about this, we will not last. This is not sustainable. Even though we have experienced and continue to experience many difficult times because what we're trying to shift has just been in our bodies for decades at a core, core level, we know that we want to be together, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're willing to do whatever it takes to, instead of go find something else that might be more soothing in the moment, we're willing to like continue to look at our baggage, try to have healthy, sometimes dysfunctional conversations about it and continue to grow as a couple. It's really hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard because... You know, inevitably, when you have these conversations with your partner, when I have these conversations with you, they go sideways. We don't like the way the other person shared something. Mm -hmm. We don't like the way it makes us feel when they share it. Mm -hmm. We say it in a way that they feel like we're projecting stuff on them. Yeah. It's me, you know, like a lot of couples like you, Mm -hmm. like trying to make sense of my baggage. Yeah. Trying to make sense how it's created the new baggage within us. Like I said earlier, it's a process and there's no like real total endpoint to it. So clearly it's like, it's not like 
there's some moment where we understand how your anxious attachment and my avoidant attachment, how we just like hack it and we never have to deal with it again. Dang it. <laughs> no, it's, and it's- We need a hack, anybody out there? And it's frustrating, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating. But it's also, so I guess the question to our listeners, cause we're gonna kind of wrap this up is like, is it worth it? For couples out there who really struggle, who have baggage, who have awareness or lack of awareness, whatever it is, who really struggle, is it worth doing all of this hard work in order to stay with this person that you know at your heart of heart is your person and they're your person and they're going to be an extra ingredient to you becoming a better version of yourself because that's what they want and that's what you want. Like, is it worth it? It's worth it because I love you. It's worth it because I, I care for you. It's also worth it because I know that it's based at the base level the things that I am being confronted with in our relationship, it's in my best interest to figure it out. Mm -hmm. The base things you are asking me to sort of like work on for the sake of our relationship are also clearly my areas of healing. Yeah. And it wouldn't be so hard to discuss it, to make sense of it, to receive feedback about it, if it wasn't a real pain point, you know, and I, this is something I was talking to a couple about the other day is like, it's just that our relationship, it's like rubbing on the same piece of skin over and over and over. And it's just like the areas of conflict in our relationship are pain points. And so of course, when I'm confronted with something about my behavior, or my way I'm being that's difficult, I'm gonna have a negative reaction to it. I'm mm -hmm. gonna fall back into my old coping mechanisms. Um, so it's it's worth it for many reasons. It's worth it because I love you. It's worth it because I believe in us. It's also worth it because I know it's in my best interest to, to heal and grow in these areas. I think that's, you know, yeah, we help each other grow. And I think when we get together early with a new person, you know, you grow in these like really fun ways. And then when stressful moments happen, I think a lot of people get really stuck and they stop growing and that's when they start to feel powerless. But yeah, if you can start to face through these difficult things and start to understand what is my baggage? How is it impacting us? How can I help my other partner know what it is and then what I need from them and then help them like get through their baggage we can grow together and get out of the stuckness. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, just kind of walking into the practical side of things now, I think that, you know, what we, what Tara and I did today in going through this was really like, just like sort of organic, like sort of flying by the seats of our pants talking about some really complicated and, and, and vulnerable things. And because there was like sort of a lack of structure to it, it was a little scary at times, at least for me. And it was a little bit bumpy for, again, I'm just speaking for myself, for me, right? And one of the things about, we have our relationship renovation at home program, which leads you through something very similar to this 
in a sort of step-by-step way over a few weeks. Right. And having some structure to doing it, because if you listen to other episodes, we've done exercises from it, and it's like a Mm bite-sized, very structured, here's the question, each of you answer it. And then in, in our program, we have videos to help you sort of make sense of it. It gives you some guidance in going through figuring out your baggage, their baggage, our baggage, and then some tools of like what happens when you get activated, what are some healthy communication skills you can use to get through it. And so that program, Relationship Renovation at Home, helps you do what we're doing, but with a little bit of help, a little bit (laughs) of like, a little bit of like, here's the lanes, Let's, let's stay in the lanes. But it allows eventually, hopefully, because, you know, Tara and I have these types of discussions at home all the time on the fly because we've done structured work, which then allows us more often to do more organic work and be able to stay in the lanes naturally. And most couples don't have that until they get some guidance in how to do it. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And again, yeah, I feel really proud of the... The work you and I have done individually as a couple and the program development we have done to help other couples (laughs) take this brave step of really trying to grow together. And again, it's not a linear road and it's not easy. And I think a great way to end our podcast today was sharing like accountability, like my own accountability for my baggage uh, and appreciation around what I know you're doing in your own baggage, that is a request of mine that that's hard for you. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So I am accountable for my abandonment issues and I am working on trying to really have healthy emotion regulation and a central nervous system that feels safe all of the time, no matter what's happening out in the world, unless of course a lion's about to eat me. And that I'm going to continue to do that work. And if I lose myself in a moment that I will come and repair it with you. And I appreciate that you are working on sharing your feelings, no matter what the time, no matter what the situation. Um, and you're putting yourself out there because I I want that so badly because I don't want you to have to be the person that you've had to be your whole life, which is the person in the middle trying to like be the peacemaker and that you can't be you. Like I fell in love with you because you were you until our attachment stuff <laughs> rolled in. So thank you. Yeah. I am accountable for the fact that I still struggle with avoidance that I am not always transparent with what I feel. And I'm accountable for the fact that that hurts you. Like I, I understand that, that that hurts you and I'm, I'm accountable for that. What I'm appreciative of is your willingness to go into uncomfortable moments. I'm appreciative of the fact that you won't accept the disconnection I'm appreciative that you want to be loved in the way you want to be loved. And so that then is teaching me how to love better. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not Thank you. It's not it's not hard, but I am appreciative of that. Yeah. I'm appreciative of your commitment to us that you haven't found another man to you just haven't, that make you, me. That you have <laughs> that you I'm haven't kidding. bailed. Ah, well, that says a lot about both of us, so. Yeah. 
Well, I just got to say something really quick. I know it's a long podcast, but accountability feels really good. Like when I could take my own accountability and when I heard you taking your accountability, I'm like, God, that feels so good. (laughs) Everyone should do it once a day. (laughs) All right. Anything else to wrap it up, my love? No. My partner in crime, my person that is growing with me constantly in a shit show, what we call life and which is also beautiful. Yes. No, no. Thank you for being on this journey with me, Tara. Yeah. And again, thank you for listening if you made it all the way through. And we are always here to answer any questions, provide feedback, and always open to ideas of podcasts so we can help support other couples like the way we have been supporting ourselves. Absolutely. So uh, thank you guys all for listening and take care of yourself. Take care of each other. We've got this shit. Bye-bye. Bye. Singing on the train, me and you listening to the rain, me and you, we are the same, me and you have all the fame we need, indeed you and me are we. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes, like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.